Today, we're going to have a little fun as I join a good friend and fellow podcaster celebrating his 100th episode. I'm Vince Menzione, and for this episode of Ultimate Guide to Partnering, I join the host of the Channel Journeys podcast, Rob Spee. In this episode, we discuss the trends we're seeing in the industry. So buckle up for a fun journey with Rob Spee. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey, Vince. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Rob, so great to be back with you again. Yeah, great to have you. So congratulations. You are on my 100th episode. Woohoo! Wow. Wow. You know, hey, kudos, Rob. First of all, I remember when you got started with this uh, a few years ago. And, you know, podcasting is not for the faint of heart, right? And uh, a lot of work. People don't recognize how much effort to do a high quality product. And I've got to give you tremendous kudos. Uh, you've been doing an amazing job here week after week or month after month with amazing guests, by the way. Uh, some, And I, I love what you've been doing. Well, thank you. And you know, I owe a, a lot of it to you paving the way for me with your podcast. And man, do you know that I've, all, I've been at this almost four years? How long ago did you start Ultimate Guide to Partnering? It's amazing. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning. I started over five and a half years ago. And when I started doing podcasts, it was like people didn't understand what a podcast was. And I spent half of my time trying to get people to understand why they should listen to a podcast, <laughs> let alone, you know, why listen to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I was not listening to podcasts when you started. I wasn't even probably aware of it. It was sometime after that that I started listening to that sailing podcast that I love. And that's what got me interested. And then I found you and what you were doing and, and we chatted and I got enough encouragement to give this a try. I love that conversation. You know, it brings me back to the fact that at the five and a half year point, like when I got started, the reason I got started, in fact, was I finally got an iPhone. I worked for Microsoft for 10 years and uh, Windows Phone didn't have podcasts. <laughs> so <laughs> got an iPhone. Satya said it was okay to get an iPhone. And I started listening to Tim Ferriss, a few other podcasts at the time. And then a friend said, you know, you should do awful lot about partnering with Microsoft. You should do a podcast. <laughs> so that's how it all started. Was your intent from the beginning to be really focused on Microsoft partnerships? I spend a lot of time around partnerships. And having been on the Microsoft side for, you know, like a decade, I recognized that there were a common set and thread of questions that people would ask me. And so I, and I recognized what the best at the time. And I recognized that organizations did not have, understand at scale, what it was like within the four walls of Microsoft. And so the initial intention was basically to take people on a tour, like walk them around the hallway of Microsoft and interview many of the leaders at that point in the US partner and then the worldwide partner organization around what they did, like how they aligned their organizations, what they cared about, and also how they measured success, which is Microsoft parlance is their scorecard. Because partners that aligned to the Microsoft scorecard had the best chances of success and ultimately survival working with Microsoft. Plus, we were going that we started down this journey of transformation, which has only accelerated in the last two and a half years. But we were trying to take partners to the cloud. 
while I was still there. And organizations were still struggling with their old business models. So there was the opportunity to help them understand how Microsoft thought about it. I then recognized that I was getting kind of labeled as the Microsoft guy. So I started inviting uh, Google and Amazon and Salesforce to the podcast. Again, getting it from what some people call the vendor community, what I call the hyperscaler community, and then also partners that had gotten it right working with the tech giants. So I've tried to balance those two. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. It continues to be even more fun every week. You turned me on to the Grow Your Show podcast. I think that's the name of it. Yes. And it, it's this guy, Kevin, who talks about podcasting, right? He's made a business of teaching people how to podcast, how to monetize podcasts, all of that. And I think one of the first or second episodes is really about targeting your audience, knowing your audience, right? And that's so, so important. Who, who is your audience? Who have you targeted? What's your niche? So when I got started, I think it was everybody. You know, you want to get targeted in terms of who you think your specific audience is. And I find that they're in this SaaS economy, this transformation that we're seeing. The organizations that seem to struggle the most working with the tech giants are traditional ISVs or SaaS software companies uh, because they have their own business models and they're not dependent. Like I think of a traditional partner reseller, VAR, you know, and the like, they've basically built their business on the backs of the vendors that they support, right? And ISVs, that's not the case. ISVs have, in, they're independent for a reason. They have their own sales organizations. They have a chief revenue officer, chief marketing officer. All those resources are aligned to a business model that is independent of those organizations with which they partner. And those organizations, I find, struggle the most. And I found that certainly being on the other side of the equation when I was at a billion-dollar ISV, that getting the business aligned, getting the C-suite aligned was difficult. So really, I've even though I am broad enough in terms of the audience and what I try to cover, convey through the guests I have to reach SIs and other types of partners. The ISV is sort of in the, the sweet spot in terms of how I think about the ideal partner that needs the most help. So your target listener is a channel pro within the ISV, or is it also the partner? It is the leadership of the organization, the partner leadership, the alliance executives, the channel chief. I look at the channel chief. And I, you know, you and I have been around this business long enough to know that those channel chiefs often struggle getting their point across, getting the rest of the organization aligned around what they're trying to drive, right? It's sometimes the most misaligned role in the organization. Uh, we don't understand partner. It's misunderstood. We have expectations that sometimes are unrealistic around what success looks like. And then we don't understand at the end of the day how to attribute or we don't have the systems and tools to provide the right set of attribution to what the partner team does. So you're targeting the more the ISV than the partner themselves. Yeah. When you say, I, I use the terms interchangeably, like anybody's a partner, right? Any organization, depending in my world, my lens comes back to the Microsoft lens, which goes partners of all types, right? 450,000 partners in the Microsoft ecosystem, and then categorized by you know small SI, large SI, global SI, uh, independent software vendors of various sizes, you know, local, national, and global influence partners, scale partners, you know, the, the CDWs and SHIs of the world that we think about, I know as the scale partners, or we used to call them LSPs or LARS. So I think about it in that vein. I call them all partners. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I just thought of that when you said that we're a Microsoft partner, Beyond Trust, we're an ISV. So to Microsoft, we're a partner. That's right. 
Absolutely. And now Microsoft is a partner of ours too. So yeah, the, the whole definition of partner just keeps changing and it's getting so broad. Yeah. And some people say, they say vendor. They say vendor. I don't like the term vendor. It's for A, it's very old school. And B, it feels like the relationship is very transactional. It's one way. When, I, when you say you're, I'm a vendor, it feels very transactional. Yeah. So it, really it's the folks, and I think you and I are targeting the same audience. It's the folks who are interested in maximizing the value of their partnerships. In whatever tech organization, that tends to be more SaaS organizations, right? But any technology organization is going to benefit from these conversations. Yeah. I think what happens is I started off at the, again, from the ISV lens, how does that ISV maximize their results with a Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and the like? And then you, I believe, complete it because you help them on, again, through their channel journey, you're taking them through to that next stage. Like, how do I get to the customer? my reach through channels to market specifically, right? So Channel Journeys completes you. It completes me. So I think we're complimentary podcasts, in fact. I think it's true. I think so too. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's interesting, the landscape when we joined, when I started four years ago, so a little bit after a year and a half after you. And shortly after that, I was talking to Jay McBain, and then we worked together to put together a list of all the you know, podcasts in the industry, right? And channel podcasts. And if you look at that first list, a number of those have, are not producing anymore. They've dropped out. New ones have, of course, come in. You know, it's very interesting to see what's happened. I go back to, I actually went through some of that list uh, specifically to see like who's out there and what type of audience are they getting. And uh, I'll see that, you know, they stopped recording in uh, 2019 or 2020 or whatever the time frame was. Surprising, but it also speaks to the fact that podcasting was not for the faint of heart. It's work. And people like, I was just talking with somebody yesterday. I probably spent about 20 hours a week on episodes. You know, there's the prep work, there is the actual recording, there's the ed- the back and forth with an editor that we both know and, and admire. And then there's the final edits and post-production and publishing and social media and the like that come along with that. That I think it adds up to about 20 hours a week. Well, good for you. That's why yours sounds so much better than mine. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> I think yours sounds great. By the way, you got you. So you say that I got you started, but you were the spark that got me back. So you got me back. You had me as a guest. I had put the podcast on hold and you asked me to be a guest on the podcast. And I'm like, I miss doing this. This is fun. (laughs) It it is fun. It's a lot of work, but it is so much fun. And we learn so much. I love all the people that I get a chance to speak with, the people I get to meet that I never would have met before without the show. How On that topic, how do you get your guests? How do you discover people that to come on your show? That's a really good question. There, I don't think there's, you know, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. I, I spent time in what um, our friend Kevin Schmedlin would call targeted daily engagement. Yes. I just listened to that episode. That's an important one. <laughs> TDE, TDE calls it. And I go to the watering holes, right? I, I follow several people and I'm, I'm kind of listening to see who's out there. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be still very much involved in that Microsoft world. And because of that, I also, a lot of those Microsoft people now work for Google or Amazon or Salesforce or Facebook. I mean, they work for other companies now. So I've kept in contact socially with a lot of people, a lot of friends, I would call friends in the tech industry. So, you know, there's the banter, the conversation every once in a while, I'll reach out and say, Hey, would you like to be a guest on the podcast? And then certainly people come to me as I'm sure they do with you as well and say, yeah, Hey, 
the PR agents. Yeah, the PR agents. And then also people just reach out and say, hey, um, I'd like to be a guest. Or I know somebody who's a friend who's you know running this tech company and they'd make a great guest. I've expanded out a little bit too. Uh, when I came back after you and I recorded that episode, I think it was probably, was it May? I think it was May of 2020. It was during the, it was in not, we were in the lockdown. We were locked down at that point. And I recognize that the podcast, I wanted the podcast to be a little bit more than, of course, it's a, it's a podcast on partnering, but I also recognize that we in the tech sector in our community was, we were still very much a white male dominated industry. And I had spent some time on diversity roles, both at Microsoft and in other companies. And I felt that we weren't representing people that you know, needed a voice that needed to have their voices lifted. And so I was very deliberate when I came back about having people of color, a lot of women in technology, people from various backgrounds on the podcast. And I've been more deliberate about that, like almost look at it and go, okay, I've had too many of, you know, white men, let's just say on the podcast. And I, I need to double down and look at some of these other great leaders. So I kind of looked around that way as well and said, who, who's out there? Who's out there that should have a voice? I remember, I think it was one of the first channel events that I went to after starting my podcast. And I can't remember, I'd maybe had 10 or 12 episodes, but I had only had one woman. And she was at the event. You know her too. I'm not going to say her name. And she approached me and goes, Rob, what's up with that? You know? And so I have been more intentional. And there's so many great women in technology as well, you know? And, and I'm always looking for great guests, no matter what background they come from. That's, that's the fun is getting people from all kinds of diverse backgrounds. I want to have more international guests too. That's something else that I'm, I need to be better at. It's just, it's a little more work because of time zones and everything, but uh, it always leads to a great conversation. They're great conversations. My ne one of my next guests is from Australia. So that'll be an issue. Again, syncing up the time zones, but, uh, and you have a global business. So I think there's a lot of relevancy in learning what people are doing in other markets and geos. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think is the most difficult part of, of podcasting for you while you're running your own consulting business? I think you just said it nicely. It's the time. It's the amount of time and juggling the two and not neglecting my clients. So, you know, you and I were talking about this just a little bit earlier, like getting time on a Saturday. <laughs> Essentially, my golf game has gone to heck because I now spend Saturdays pretty much, you know, working on the podcast so that might give my wife back a little bit of time on the weekend. It is. It's a nights and weekends project for me as well. My company, Beyond Trust, is super supportive of me doing this, which is fantastic. But I got to say, cycling still has a higher priority than my podcast. So <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I get to ride my bike just about every day, almost all year round down here in Florida, but I don't go as far as you do. <laughs> yeah, you are, you are in a great location, though, for just getting out every day. Uh, the weather's, yeah. I mean, it's it gets a little hot this time of year, but it's outstanding most of the year. So no complaints. Yeah, we're coming into in fall season here. So this is just prime season for us. And a lot of this is when a lot of the big cycling events kick up, you know, the century rides, the mountain rides, that type of thing. So nice. Those are our grand tours. And you have mountains. I mean, I <laughs> mountains for us. I have about a 60 foot climb. I think I have uh, my ride <laughs> over a causeway or bridge or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Actually, I live on the bluffs. So the, so I go up the bluff and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I remember that from my, my Florida days. What's amazing is how many Floridians come up here to ride and do great in the mountains. I think because of all the wind, the wind is your hill training. Those are our mountains, the mountains of Florida, as someone told me once. Yeah. So in your podcasting, talking to all these guests, what are some of the big trends that you're seeing in folks that you're talking to? 
it's a very interesting time. You know, I've had, we talked about Jay McBain. I've had Jay on several times. Jay's been on five times. In fact, he's a five, he's now a member of the five timers club <laughs> and uh, self-professed from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Jay has been at the maelstrom, I'll call it, of this decade of the ecosystem as he coined it. And there's a whole bunch of people that have been buzzing around Jay. And people have uh, had some of these as guests on the podcast, Jared Fuller from Partner Hacker, Alan Adler, various other folks that are really making a lot of noise, I would say, and in a good way around the fact that we now need to think more broadly about ecosystems and that organizations, and I've been saying this for years now, that organizations struggle with uh, the partner mindset, extreme commitment, maniacal focus around partnering. And, you know, there's a movement now, especially with some of the earlier stage companies, that partnering is in fact more important now than ever and should be mainstreamed into the C-suite. So I love that. I love that fact because as you and I know, partner many often, many times often gets buried uh, further down in the organization. It might fit underneath the chief revenue officer. It may not. It might sit in marketing in some organizations. It sits in other functional areas of the company. And the voice about the impact and the importance and the investments that need to be made in partnering, go to market, co-selling, all of those things, doesn't always resonate all the way up at the C-suite the way it should. And I believe that this movement is going to drive, at least the hope is it's going to drive the right set of results uh, up at the boardroom level too. So. Yeah, and I think that's how Alan Adler talks about in the ecosystem and the pla the role of the platform in the ecosystem, and that has to be a C-suite conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And getting the leadership on board, also the venture capital firms understanding this, right? So Bessemer Ventures, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, other organizations that are investing in technology companies that are investing in organizations where they have a partner-first mentality. Uh, it's so critical, so critical. And I think we're starting to see that in a big way. And this transformation being led. And now we're talking about, you know, what's going to happen with the economy. You know, we don't know at this point, somewhat nebulous. Still believe that tech is going to drive the future growth of the economy. And so partnering is just, it certainly is what is necessary in terms of driving success. We were joking before the show about the term ecosystem, you know, and, and is it being overused? Is it kind of getting overhyped. Thinking about it, though, the one thing I like about the term, Vince, is internally at Beyond Trust, I was brought in to build an ecosystem. And it's a good way to talk about the fact that, yeah, you have so many different partner types that need to be engaged. And I like it for that because I can say, hey, look, what is the ecosystem? You've got your influencer, you've got your reseller, you've got your delivery partner, you've got your referral partner, all these different. And sometimes it's the same company playing all the different roles. Sometimes it's five different companies in that one account. And I, I like ecosystem to be able to have that conversation. People seem to get it. Yeah. And what it strikes for me is the holistic approach to partnering. I just had a conversation with a client yesterday around having five different go-to-market strategies right across the business. And a lot of it's legacy. And also some of it, you know, candidly, is people that were in roles prior that didn't understand the whole ecosystem concept or the holistic approach to go to market and go and, and ecosystem building. Where today, you talked about, you know, Beyond Trust has relationships with the Microsoft and the, the hyperscalers, Microsoft, Amazon, Googles of the world. It changes the dynamic of partnering because you're, you're partnering with your hyperscaler to go do co-selling. You're also building what we used to call it Microsoft partner to partner. Who are the other organizations that 
are supportive of that ecosystem. So if you're in the Microsoft world, who are the global systems integrators or the other partners in the security space and elsewhere that are influencing your customers to drive that set of results, that that sale and implementation with that client? And it changes a little bit from hyperscaler to hyperscaler, but it, it's a different model than when we used to go, you know, push everything through a channel in the old days, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking back a couple of years ago in my last company, a classic situation of, of you know, dedicated 100% rah-rah, your company reseller brings you an opportunity and they start working it and you're making great progress. And then in jumps the global system integrator. And it turns out they're entrenched in the account and the customer loves them. And suddenly the reseller says, wait a sec, this GSI is stealing my deal. You know, and you get all that conflict and everyone's just, you know, pulling their hair out. Now, though, we go into it almost with that intent. I mean, it's much more intentional to think about having that reseller in that with that GSI and probably a hyperscaler too. So I think that that ecosystem approach now it's much more intentional, which being intentional helps eliminate that conflict because you're all communicating and going in from the start with that intent. And one of the things that's happened now is some of the technology supporting that, right? So we talked about what else has changed. The ecosystem approach has changed, but now we're seeing this channel tech stack as Jay refers to it. And all of these companies that are, you know, this white, there's this huge amount of white space. Like we didn't have the technology to support this channel and partner strategy that you and I have lived uh, for many years. And now partners like PartnerTap and Crossbeam and others that are developing technologies to allow you to go across your partners and then identify the opportunities or the white space to go after together. Yeah. I was wondering, and this on a bike ride, this thought hit me, starting a podcast just on the partner tech stack. And like, you know, just doing like 15 minute clips of interviewing different, cause they're, what a Jay, how many hundreds of them are in now Jay's chart? It's huge. There's over 200 at this point, you know, and, and growing considerably. I thought that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Both of us were talking about this event that recently took place in Miami, uh, the Catalyst event that I was in Telluride, Colorado. So I couldn't be at that event, but I think the poor guy. Yeah. It was a beautiful time. But uh, oh, it was only 95 degrees and humid in Miami. But the point there is that these organizations uh, are looking for a voice, right? They're looking for a, a way to surface their technology and make it known to the the market that we that we both talk to. So I think that's a really, I think that's actually an excellent idea. How come I didn't think of it? <laughs> well, maybe we'll do it together, Vince. It sounds like a lot of work too. It is a lot of work. I've had Crossbeam on the podcast, and I have had uh, Partner Tap, who is a sponsor uh, of, of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Uh, Cassie Goldston has been on the podcast, and we'll be back again as a guest. But I've been thinking about having more of these tech vendors on as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really helpful. What else are you doing? Now, you're getting into some new areas with your company too. Yeah, it's been really exciting, right? So being a consultant is also not for the faint of heart, right? You have to you dive into organizations, you work across organizations, and it's challenging trying to do everything yourself. And so I have been partnering for a long time because partnering is in my DNA and with a, a, a group of what I call the best of the best, some really incredible leaders. A lot of them came out of the Microsoft space in terms of they were came from partners or have been supporting this ecosystem for quite some time. And we created this Ultimate Partnerships Dream Team. And we're hosting our first event live. In fact, we uh, I wanted to do it around a big Microsoft conference, but Microsoft didn't have a live event this year. So we're co-locating at a Dynamics conference. Uh, it's called Summit, and it's uh, being held in Orlando. And we're doing a pre-day and a half on October 9th and 10th. 
And I'm bringing in executives from Microsoft. I'm bringing in partner leaders from Microsoft to help partners understand how to align for success. You know, what's the scorecard look like? What does the playbook look like? How do you align with Microsoft? And then the dream team is doing a workshop the second day. And it, we go across, I come across the leadership aspects. You know, we talk about the, the C-suite and what makes success. I have this amazing woman, Erin Feiger, who has built an incredible business working with ISVs on co-selling. And she's going to be talking about the operating model, how to work with Partner Center, how to work with Ace on the AWS side. I've got a former CMO from a top Microsoft partner who just is incredible at branding and go to market, who's going to be, again, these are all frameworks around what makes success. And then we have another leader who is uh, very well steeped in that whole co-selling, how to get your organizations aligned, how to drive your brand, how do you drive your message, how do you go sell together? And then because it's a Dynamics event, we have a gentleman who I call Mr. Dynamics, Joe Corigliano, who is going to help shape the conversation around the Dynamics business applications, what those partners need to do better to be successful working with Microsoft. So we're really excited about this event. It's October 9th and 10th at the Gaylord Hotel in Orlando. Who can come to this event? We're trying to keep it at the executive level of these organizations. So partner leaders, chief strategists, CXO type individuals, and our sweet spot are ISVs. So ISVs from, you know, in general, SaaS organizations, but also we're opening up, we we certainly have the Dynamics ISVs, but we're opening up to some SIs. Because there are many SIs that cross over into that, into that ISV space as well. So we're opening up to both. And uh, we're trying to keep attendance to a smaller audience because we want this to be an interactive conversation, executive level conversation. And uh, it's going to be a great event. We're super excited about it. We're getting close to being sold out at this point. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll provide links, though, just in case people have interest in the event, depending on when this airs. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Really cool. I could see, is this something that's going to develop? You think maybe into an annual event? Are you going to get into the event business? Uh, you, yeah, you asked me a really interesting conversation. So I believe that we're going to be doing a lot more of these. We plan on doing another one probably in the late winter, potentially in a warm climate closer to the West Coast, maybe Scottsdale, Arizona to be determined. But we are going to do more of these. We're also going to be building a community around this. I believe that there, is, there are not very many watering holes. For organizations that are of a certain, you know, Beyond Trust would fit perfectly in this conversation here because, yes, well, where do you go? Where do you go to learn from others like you, others that have been successful? And then to continually, and that's why I did the podcast. I wanted to create a continual on button for organizations because they would go to a Microsoft conference and be one and done. But how do you provide that in a more fluid fashion to organizations? So we want to do that. We're going to build a community around this as well. And so, yeah, uh, more to come there. I think you're really hitting a sweet spot. There's that gap today between a Microsoft conference or, you know, AWS, whoever, and channel events, channel focus, catalyst, whatever it might be, which is much broader and general in nature, right? I think you're getting the sweet spot in between where the rubber hits the road. And getting all the right people. Yeah. And getting all the right people in the room. And, you know, one of the, one of the thought, pro- I mean, we're going to invite organizations that provide services. You know, you talked about some of the tech stack organizations. There's organizations like Tackle.io that are developing marketplace solutions right now. They have some very interesting and salient uh, things that they can bring to these organizations. There's opportunities to bring other partner types into the room, uh, scale partners, if you will, right? So invite some of these organizations 
that are then resellers for these ISVs and have have a more broad conversation about what joint success looks like. That's really exciting. Yeah, we're, I'm excited about it. Yeah. So Kevin talks about other things you can do. Are you thinking, have you started a Facebook group? Are you thinking about doing that? I have, you know, I'm on a lot of different social channels. And one of the things I think I've learned this from Kevin more than anything else, I was, I, you can go too broad. So I have a lot of friends on Facebook and a lot of former colleagues from Microsoft and other organizations. So that I have a, I have a ultimate guide to partnering Facebook page, but it's not a group. I'm thinking about what the group concept will look like and not quite sure it's going to be a Facebook group yet though. Yeah. LinkedIn still seems like the more natural fit for our business. It does. What it's lacking right now is that community piece. In my opinion, I haven't found the right community piece there. So where you can have a Facebook group, I don't see a LinkedIn group that is uh, of the same parity. No, not at all. But most of the groups that you join, there's just not much interaction. And then you have newsletters and other things there, but nobody seems to congregate around them. Yeah. How about a masterclass? You thinking about that? Well, that's what this is, really. The mastermind is a masterclass. So, you know, think about it as a workshop. Think about it as, you know, we will come in and do the one day portion of it as a masterclass and then provide the, uh, the community around it. Right. So we're calling it mastermind, but essentially it's a combination of a class and a community together. Gotcha. Well, cool stuff. A lot coming. It's exciting times. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, Vince, we've covered a lot of podcast topics. Hopefully the listeners think it's interesting. You and I eat it up every day. We love it. (laughs) It's what we do. It's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah. I've got a lot of great guests coming up. I'm sure you do too. And it's really fun for us to, to sync up occasionally. It is a lot of fun. We've got a lot of uh, just these guests, they energize me every day. Just released one today and some others coming up down the pike in the next month or so. So I'm really excited. Stay tuned, ultimateguidetopartnering.com and Ultimate Guide to Partnering on your favorite platform. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Vince. Any last words to the Channel Journeys audience on our 100th show anniversary? I would say, first of all, I want to say to you, Rob, uh, congratulations, right? I said this earlier at the beginning. A hundred episodes. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of joy. I know for you. I'm so glad to see you reach this milestone. Congratulations. And to your listeners, keep listening. You are the expert on the channel journey, in my opinion. And I love the content. I love the quality of what you provide here for our mutual listeners. And uh, thank you again for all you do. That's great, Vince. Thank you. And continued success on Ultimate Guide to Partnering and this next venture that you're embarking on. It sounds awesome. Thanks again, Rob. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.